Hey there, Disky Chicks fans. Before we get started with today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a special opportunity for you to become the DISC expert in your organization. Would you like to deliver DISC debriefs with ease, facilitate coaching sessions and teaming sessions with confidence, and elevate your stature as the go-to person for all things DISC? Join us for our live advanced DISC certification training coming up in early January 2022. This is a live small group class delivered in four two-hour sessions during the first two weeks of January. Please go to DiskyChicks.com for more information. And don't wait because the December 17th registration deadline is coming up quickly. Oh, and one more thing, since you're a Disky Chicks podcast listener, enter the promotion code DCP123 to get $150 off the registration fee as a thank you from us to you. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Disky Chicks podcast. For business leaders, HR directors, coaches, and those interested in learning how to use the DISC assessment to grow self-awareness, improve communications, and develop leaders and teams. Please welcome your hosts, business coaches Martha Fourlines and Cindy Jacoby. They are loud and proud about all things DISC. Hi, I'm Cindy Jacoby, Chief Engagement Officer for BizHelp Consulting. I work with companies and teams to improve their effectiveness by improving their hiring and their communication skills. I use DISC to help teams better understand each other and how to work better together and how to choose the right candidate for the job. I also offer certification classes so anyone can comfortably deliver and debrief the DISC assessment to their employees or clients. And by the way, in DISC language, I'm a high influencer and low compliant meaning I like to talk and influence, and I'm not great with rules or details. Martha, how about you? Hey, I'm Martha Forline, CEO of Belief System Institute, and I'm very much like Cindy. I'm also a high influencer with a very, very low C or compliant, not good with details and not good with following a lot of rules. I also have a high dominant, which we'll be talking more about in the show. I work with courageous entrepreneurs as a consultant and coach to improve leadership skills that then improve business performance. I've had a fascination with human behavior since I was a kid, and I was blessed with 28 years in the corporate world where I was an HR and communications executive. Trust me, being in the people business that long, I've seen and heard it all. And then I started my own business in 2007, focusing on my passion, helping entrepreneurs to be all they want to be to grow their businesses. Together, Cindy and I are the Disky Chicks. We are here to inform, support, and have some fun with you as we talk about the Disk Behaviors Assessment. Some of you may know about the DISC assessment. DISC measures behaviors or communication style, things we can see when we observe a person closely. What do the letters stand for? D stands for dominance, 
someone who moves quickly, they're direct to their communication and they're all business. And I is an influencer, someone who also moves quickly, but is more people focused, outgoing and often humorous. S stands for steadiness. They're slower paced introvert who are people focused, reliable, and yes, steady. And the C stands for compliant. The C's move at a slower pace and they are our data-driven perfectionists who love to know and follow the rules. DISC is the simplest tool to understand but goes very deep and very wide and that's why we have lots to talk about. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to season two, episode two of the Disky Chicks podcast, where today we are talking about pain. Not just any pain, but the pain of hiring the wrong person. We have all done it. We have fallen in love with the perfect candidate during an interview, only to have our hearts broken by poor performance or, or bad cultural fit. But she looked great on paper. She was charming in her interview. What happened? Has this ever happened to you, Martha? Oh, my God. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> when I was a brand new manager of others uh, many uh, centuries ago, I had the opportunity to hire my first employee in the human resources department at the company I was working for. And I kind of got pressure to hire the daughter of one of the long-term employees there. So I interviewed her. She was lovely. She was very talkative, probably a high influencer. I thought, oh, she can do the job, not really knowing how to adequately interview people. And I did hire her and it was a disaster. <laughs> I had more complaints from people about her and had to then learn how to give constructive feedback in a nice way so it didn't make her cry. So it was just a mess. So after that, I was keenly motivated to improve my interviewing skills. I think that probably happens a lot with high eyes because they are charming and likable and people that you wanna be around, right. but depending on where you're placing them, it could be, as you said, a disaster. Totally, totally. So Martha and I wanted to, to talk about for the next several weeks about hiring. Uh, I think it's something that we all have to do and it's so crucial to the performance of, of the business and wanted to start off really defining a bad hire. We looked at some research from CareerBuilder and it seems like the number one definition of a bad hire, how you know you have a bad hire is when they just don't produce quality work. You, you put them there to do a job, you think they can do it and they don't do it. But right up there next to them, that was 54%, right next to that was having a negative attitude and not working well with other people. So how people fit in on a, on a team, the definition of whether this is a good hire or not. And it goes on, you know, on down the line to having attendance problems and, and not matching the skills they say they had to the actual skills that they produced when they were put in that position. And so we were wondering, you know, why does this happen? Why do we, why do we hire the wrong person? 
we have our own anecdotes on this, but again, with a career builder survey, it talked about that over a third of the candidates didn't have all the needed skills, nor did they learn how to develop those skills very quickly or possibly even lied about their qualifications. And I think here's where Martha kicked in at 32% took a chance on a nice person. You know, they seemed good on, seemed good on the interview, something that you would like and get along with. But I think uh, what we've all found ourselves in is, is having to fill a role quickly. It's like, listen, we just need a warm body in this position because we can't let it stay vacant very long. And that's, a terrible way to hire. And we've all, that's that, that's the desperation hire, right? Yes. Yes. But you know, sometimes we don't take the time. It's hard to find a qualified candidate. And so we got to put somebody in there. And so we just, we just fill the role. And I think we are all guilty a little bit of ignoring warning signs, thinking if I don't address it, it'll just get better. And that that very rarely works. Right. Then we were curious about up-to-date information on the cost to the company and to the business for making these terrible hires and Googled true cost of a bad hire. Within a half a second, 62,700 <laughs> hits came up. Obviously, this is a mutual problem for any employer out there, not just in the United States, but all over the world, looking into what the cost estimates are. And we went to sources that we know are credible sources, SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Managers, they estimated six to nine months of an employee's salary to find and train their replacement. Gallup says 150% of their annual salaries, which is very high. And keep in mind, the higher the salary, the more the cost of the turnover is for you. For sure. Career Builder Survey found 41% of businesses estimated 25000 or higher per employee. And 25% of the businesses cost said 50,000 or higher. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it just keeps going. And then the last one was linked humans and the cost of recruiting, hiring, onboarding a new employee can be as much as $240,000. So we're talking about big bucks here that I don't know about you, but for my own business, I, I really can't afford that cost of turnover. It's just really very, very costly to you and your business. Well, one great resource out there, they do have cost calculators now, because yeah. sometimes it's hard to believe these stats. And again, we're getting numbers all over the board, but you can Google the cost of a bad hire calculator and input your own numbers. And there are a lot of things that people don't think about besides just the salary and the cost for the job advertisement that go into adding up for the cost of a bad hire. So we were looking at some of those things as well. And I wanted to put these out on everybody's radar They're, They won't work for every company, but things that you should think of when you're making that hiring decision. And what if you're wrong? Um, some companies will relocate other employees and that 
becomes a very expensive endeavor depending on where those employees are coming right. from. We know that employees need to be trained. So there's training fees, you know, the, the days that they are in training, plus the cost of the trainer and the materials. Uh, there's a negative impact on a team when you have a bad hire in place. It, it can slow productivity. It can lead to incomplete projects. You've got this bad hire and you're getting rid of them. Well, what's happening to the work that they're in the middle of doing? Somebody's got to pick that up. And they're likely doing work for a customer. So if you think of the lost customers because of, if you keep a bad hire, you may lose customers because they don't like dealing with this person. But then if you fire a bad hire and there's nobody to replace them, you may lose customers just due to lack of service. Right. Uh, in larger companies, they often pay for outplacement services. You know, that's not free. And depending on how this person was fired, if it's not done correctly, you may have to pay litigation fees to protect the company if this, if this person wants to sue you. All of this can weaken your employer brand. There are great companies out there that consistently hire great people and, and their people are their brand. I think of Chick-fil-A and, and there are other things that you just, you know, consistently you're going to get a great person. And when you have a bad hire in there, you can really hurt your, your own brand. Right. right. Yeah, and your reputation is everything no matter what size business, certainly small businesses, but um, also big businesses. So Cindy, what, what solutions can we offer to help people with this very, very critical management responsibility? Well, we've dedicated the, the rest of the month of January, and we might go even into February, about how to help you make a great hire. And since we are the Disky Chicks, and we really strongly believe in assessments, you know, assessments are going to be part of the solution. Assessment is not the only solution. You don't give somebody an assessment and hire them or not hire them from it, but it has to be part of the puzzle. It has, it's a three-legged stool when it comes to hiring. There's the candidate interview, there's the candidate's resume, their actual skills, their hard skills that they're bringing. To, to the company. You don't want to hire a surgeon who hasn't been to medical school just because their profile fits. But then that third part is the assessment. And that's the part that's data driven. And it takes a lot of the emotions, you know, Martha, the emotions that you mentioned, mm -hmm. nice person, pressure to hire, seem great. Yeah. That's an emotional hire. And if you had done some profiling of this person and matched it up to the job and probably would not have hired that person. Right. And, and I want to emphasize the importance of the interview. That is your opportunity to get the most information, but you need to be skilled in how you're going about your interviewing in terms of behavioral interviewing skills. Once I learned that, that like changed my life in terms of selection because you're asking very specific questions to the job in a scenario format so that people are having to tell you stories. And that's where you can really see when someone may be misrepresenting themselves. When you ask somebody what they have done in a situation, tell me about a time when, then they'll be able to recreate exactly what happened. 
looking backwards in an interview is much more productive than giving scenarios of things that might happen. Right. Uh, I think the trend that used to be the trend and now the trend is actually, tell me when you've done it before. Mm -hmm. So how does this fit in with, with assessments? The assessment that we use, that, that TTI talent insights assessment is, is actually a combo with, with DISC. And then there's another science that goes with it called you know, driving forces. And it's what motivates us. We put those two together often when we're doing, um, when we're using this for hiring. And we're going to cover at least six different ways that assessments can help you in the hiring process. And Martha, you want to, you want to kick yeah. it off? We're going to give you a brief overview now, but then we'll really go into depth over the next couple of weeks. Right, right. Well, the first one is con to conduct a job benchmark. And you've heard Cindy and I talk about the job benchmarking process in previous podcasts, but this is really the best way to get at the job itself and what the job requirements are or should be and be able to compare candidates against those job requirements. So conducting the job benchmark is very, very powerful and we will spend quite a bit of time describing that to you in later episodes. Yeah, it, it all starts with the job benchmark and it it's it's a process that as Martha said, we'll go through, but you want to look at the job when there's with just the job in mind and not a candidate in mind and really hone in on what that job needs. What kind of person does that yeah, need? Yeah, exactly. Well, what we found when we do that job benchmarking session, some of the data that comes out of that helps us then create a compelling job advertisement and a job description kind of, and they're very similar. Instead of pulling a job description off the internet, using the one that you've created for this job, for this company, makes it a lot better. Right. And from that, you, we make the job advertisement and we want an advertisement that is going to attract people who are going to fill this role and it repels people who would not do well in the role. That's an effective job advertisement. And we'll have a, we'll have a podcast on that as well. Right, right. Um, then you have your candidates that you have screened and you want to interview in person and being armed with behavioral based questions is the next important step for you in selecting the right candidates to consider further. This is, as we talked a minute ago, is you're asking them questions where they have to give you examples of when they've done that job task before and what the outcome was. And I love asking in behavioral interviewing questions where they had a huge success with that and where they had a failure so that you can understand more their integrity and how humble they are. So there are other characteristics you can get at with these behavioral based questions. They are a part of the report that is a byproduct of the benchmarking process. So it's not like you're having to create your own behavioral based questions. It is done for you. 
that's, that's probably my favorite part. And I didn't pay enough attention to when I first started doing job benchmarking, but it has pages of questions based on whatever topic you want to dive deeper into that to find out more if this candidate is a good match. That's a great point. Right. Right. To Cindy's point, you are using data to make decisions. And when I have used the job benchmarking process before, there is a comparison report that I just want to mention where you can have side by side uh, reporting of one candidate compared to the next around the different aspects of the benchmark. So again, you're making database decisions, not emotional decisions. You're going to get greater results out of that. You're going to be happier with the fit, job fit, and the skill fit of the people that you hire. So if we didn't explain it, um, when you do a job benchmarking, you put all these inputs into the system and you get a physical report of the ideal candidate. And then as you're interviewing people and you, you've got your finalist candidates, you also give them the regular talent insights report. And then the computer can match those up and, and produce two things. What Martha mentioned was a comparison report. If you have multiple candidates for the same position, or you can just do a one-to-one -one match, the, the person and the job, and, and get a gap report. And the gap shows you where they're spot on in certain things and where they might need some coaching or some development. Again, no one's going to be a perfect match, but you know from the start um, where, these, where this person's going to excel and where they might need some extra help. So um, that's the data that we use in selection or when we help companies select candidates, we'll, we'll give them our analysis based on one of those two reports, either it's the candidate versus the job or all the candidates versus each other and compared to the job. Right. Excellent. So I think that's our fifth use so far that yeah. we've mentioned. Yeah. And the last one is onboarding. And oftentimes this step gets skipped in my opinion, uh, particularly for smaller businesses. But since you do get a report on the individual, both the DISC behaviors and the driving forces report, you then have a tool to onboard them with in terms of if you're a manager, you have your report, you have their report, and we also have a comparison report for that to show where there are similarities or where there, where there are big differences. And it enables the hiring manager to have that discussion up front about where we're gonna be alike and very compatible and where we may be in conflict with each other. And we need to talk through how we're gonna best work through conflicts. Can you imagine knowing that on day one instead of at your 90 day review? Right. Right. That your boss is going to want things super quickly and, and then you won't feel, I think that takes away the hurt feelings of, of somebody being impatient with you. It's like, no, I knew before I even sat at my desk that this is how it was going to be. Or the other way around, my boss is going to want a lot, a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. Part of onboarding, Martha, that I've done is also showed them the gap report. Right. I've shown them, this is what we thought we were looking for. And here's where you match up great. And here are some requirements of the job that 
aren't your superpower and let's work through these and, and uh, either come up with a development plan or just know I'm going to need you to step up in this area, even though it's not your favorite thing to right. do. And gosh, can you imagine having all that? Yeah, that's right as you're starting? powerful. It's very, very powerful. And it sets the tone because the, I'm really big on managers setting crystal clear expectations for their employees so they know what they need to be doing to meet those expectations. And this just accelerates that for a new employee who comes in nervous and maybe a little bit scared, if you will, having some fear of a new boss, a new job, new coworkers. It just breaks down all of that and act, helps them acclimate quicker. It also gives a signal that we know that you have a different style than your coworker does. And we still hired you because we value that in you. We want you to take longer and be more detailed and produce quality work versus your cohort who is all over the place, but super friendly. We don't want everybody to be the same necessarily. And when you can show, here's how you're different, but you're both really important and let's use each other's powers for good. Right. It, it gives a great message and sets that tone you were talking about. Right. Excellent. I'm, I'm excited about this. We have a document, by the way, the hiring gift that keeps on giving and how do you use one assessment six different ways. And we gave a little overview of those, but we do have a little two page guide that shows you how you can use assessments. And this is just in the hiring process. So if you're, if you're considering using assessments and you're using it to hire and you need to build your case, this will give you some concrete ways of how this one assessment can be used in so many different ways. Instead of using a different assessment for each part of these things, this one assessment is so versatile. Right. It lets you, uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck right. for sure. So if you want this, go to our website at diskychicks.com and it's D-I-S-C-Y chicks.com. And you'll see that on our website. You can just, uh, click a button and we'll send you this guide for free. And you'll have this as we go through the rest of the month. We'll focus on each one of these topics and dig a little deeper. Right. And we will get into more detail about the, what is the driving forces in future episodes so that you understand that as well as you do the DISC behaviors at this point for those that have been following us and listening to our episodes. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to, can't wait to get started. Absolutely. Thanks to all of you continuous learners for listening in with Cindy and me today. We are passionate about the power of the DISC behavior assessment, and we love bringing it to you and your clients. We invite you to visit our website at diskychicks.com. There you will find a link to all of our podcasts, and you can listen to previous episodes and subscribe. Also on our website, you can try a DISC assessment for yourself. Just click the link, take the short assessment, and we'll quickly send you the results. Also, check us out as well on Facebook and Instagram. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week on the Disky Chicks podcast. Thank you for listening to the Disky Chicks podcast. 
never miss an episode by subscribing today. To learn more or start a conversation with Cindy and Martha, visit the Disky Chicks Podcast Facebook page.